Hey, there we go. We're finally live again. Welcome to. It isn't shoot the defense. It's no chofters because we're going to do it on the separate one because I know there's going to be people interacting. There's more people interacting on this one with the broken English than there is um, on shoot defense. I'm Stell, as you guys know. I've got Rodri Giggs here and Steve Air. Rod, welcome back. Happy man. Yeah, yeah. Easy win yesterday. Easy win. I love the way he puts it as well. Love the way he puts it as well. It should have been an easy win, but no, it's a good win. It was, a, it was a big game and, you know, you'd expect your big players to turn up and they did. So, yeah, it was a good game all around. Excellent. Steve, how you doing? Hi, Stel. Good evening, mate. All right? Yeah, all good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, good too. Are you enjoying the uh, the Netherlands game? I can't even call them Holland anymore because I found out the other day that Holland is just a few little cities put into one and that's Holland. But Netherlands is the whole country. I didn't even fucking know this. Yeah, I, I'm liking them because I don't see them as a threat to win the tournament. Um, and possibly I've took my eye off them in the last 12 months or so. I, I, I'm, I'm quite uh, energised by watching them. Uh, obviously, Depay being the, the star player of it. And he's, he's Wijnaldum of Liverpool X, sorry, before he's just signed for... Uh, he's gone to PSG, hasn't he? That's right, yeah. 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 Well, he's, he's certainly living up to his title of... Uh, of, of uh, a brilliant footballer that I didn't realise he was this good. I said to you pre-show, uh, but he's run, he's run the first two games for the Netherlands. Absolutely. And when I look at this, I'll tell you, let's, let's talk about this Netherlands game. They're 2-0 up at the moment. There's, what, 12 minutes to go against Austria. Um, the main gripe from the commentators have been Austria's high line, but I, what else can they possibly do, in all fairness? They've got to go for it, so I don't see what the problem is. Of, of course, they're getting caught, but... They have to go for it. They have to win. Yeah, and the same commentators just said that Holland, obviously, the Netherlands have got Van der Beek to come in, but uh, he was quickly, Jermaine Jenis was uh, corrected by Pierce, the commentators, to say, well, it won't be this tournament, it'll be the next. So I tend to, <laughs> I, I'm trying to maybe even think about not listening to the commentaries these days. And uh, But obviously, there's been a lot made of this high line and uh, Holland have got some real adventure and some real pace and they keep breaking in and, you know, they scored three in the last game and, you know, they, they might even score three in this. So I'm, I'm enjoying watching them. Mm -hmm. and I'm glad you mentioned these commentators because I think we had a conversation about this on Sunday after the, the Denmark game. And um, we were saying that a lot of these commentators, like, they're kind of winging it. There was one, I was listening to the, I was listening to it on the radio. I didn't want to listen to it through the, the actual main commentary. So I pressed the red button and I chose the, the BBC alternative commentary, Five Live. And the commentator was Reading the list of the players, you know, Ericsson, ex-Spurs, Hoiberg, currently at Spurs, um, uh, whichever one, etc., etc. But then during the game, it was like, Christensen of Chelsea. Well, we know he's of Chelsea, but are you are you saying it for filler? At one point, she goes, Christensen of Chelsea hits the ball forward. Christensen of Chelsea. You've already said it. What... What I don't, I don't know, man. I just, it pisses me off. I'm thinking, you know, you need to know your stuff. You need to do your research. And I'm thinking, Tim Sparv, the, the the Finland captain, he had the spell at Southampton, but they didn't mention that, did they? Didn't mention that at all. But if they did the research, they would have known. Better knowledge on here, still. It does my fucking head in, man. Honestly, and they get paid good money to do this. I don't know. Anyway, fuck it. Rod, what do you make of the, the Netherlands at the moment? The benevolent Netherlands? Yeah, they look, they look, they look good. I was just, um, as I was watching, I was thinking, you know what? The Liverpool, it's a massive uh, hole that he's going to leave because, you know, he does a lot in him. He, he's a, he goes quite quietly as well. He's not like, 
a big name player, but he does the job really, really well. And you know, it's a big miss for Liverpool because he, he's he's the engine room to to, to that team. And um, yeah, they look good, but you know, the cutting edge at, at the top end, are they good enough to beat the, the top teams? Probably not, but you know, they're only going to get better because they look like a young side. When you say they're only going to get better, do you mean as the tournament progresses or just in general? No, just in general. You know, when Van Dyke comes in and Van der Beek comes in and they have a more pool of a better quality, you know, Van, Van Dyke's a massive miss. You, you know, you have him and De Litt at the back, you know, it's a it's, it's a potent bat for that and, and difficult to break down if he's got everything that. So, yeah, the, 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 not, not so much this tournament. You know, you, you never know. There's always one. That, that, that breaks through and gets to the semi-final. Look at Wales last 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 time. You know, no one expected Wales to get to the semi-final with all them big teams, but they, they managed to beat Belgium and get through. So there's always one uh, dark horse. Is it going to be Netherlands? Is it going to be Italy? There's going to be one of them. So there always is, but it could be Netherlands because they've got the quality. I think we spoke about Frank De Boer in the last show. I'm not 100% sure, but we were saying, you know, he... He was terrible at Palace. He was terrible at Inter. He was terrible at Atlanta United. And then he got the job replacing Ronald Koeman. And I don't think too much is expected of him in this Dutch team. So, again, do you think the pressure is, is kind of off him at the moment? Uh, you know, he's, he's still, he's still a, a good great player. And, you know, sometimes it, you go to these places and it just doesn't fit. And then you go to... To a place like Holland, which which is comfortable, you know, he knows the surroundings, he knows the, the players, he knows which kind of football they want to play. So, you know, it's, going to Palace is always going to be difficult. Atlanta's, you know, after their success as well, was going to be difficult. So, um, yeah, he's, he's proven that he's, he's a good coach because, you know, they're playing decent football. You know, some teams are boring to watch. You know, Netherlands are a good team to watch. He also won four leagues with Ajax as well, Rod, didn't he? So he's, he's obviously yeah, so... You know, some some coaches are suited just for like what you've just said there, you know, in your home nation, around, you know, your your nationality of players, obviously. And he'll have known these players probably for 10, 12, 15 years, some of them. Um so yeah, maybe it's his it's right time, right place for him. Whereas the English move for, for Crystal Palace certainly was, you know, wrong time, wrong place. You know, you've only got to look at Depay. You know, he looks like a quality player, but we didn't really see that. We've seen it in splits and spurts, but, you know, it just wasn't the right time for a big club. By the looks of it, he's going to Barcelona. Maybe he'll get a second chance and we'll see what he's made of. There we go. And speaking of second chances, Ukraine had a second chance today and they took it. Good win against uh, North Macedonia. Uh, Steve Yarmolenko. Yeah. <laughs> Man of the match performance. Hasn't really pulled up many trees since joining West Ham from Dortmund, but but you know I think he's taking his claim for a, a regular spot at West Ham next season, especially with that left peg of his. Blimey! Yeah, you'd think so. It's a hammer of a left foot he's got. He's powerful. He's passionate. Um, and again, you know, it's not quite knockout football yet, but tournament football um, may be suited to certain players that that as we're seeing, you know, teams going for it. You know, you recognise often in the Premier League, you know, teams. I'm going to suggest a West Ham, maybe for 40% of the games, they're going into them thinking that they would take a draw. So tournament football, I think we're possibly seeing the best of these players, especially the attackers, because it's like, you know, obviously kill or be killed. 
um, and you know get get out of the group stage, and then even more so, we'll see it in the knockout stage. So I think we're really seeing. Rodri mentioned it on on Depay. Yeah, you know, Jan Lenko the same. I think it brings the best out of the competitors. Oh, absolutely. And Rod, you know, we mentioned Deborah earlier. Talk about another legend, Shevchenko. He's doing a stellar job for the national team, isn't he? Yeah, he is. You know, they were two 0 down against Holland, and they had a good Netherlands, sorry, <laughs> and they uh, they come back and, and you know almost got a result. But you know, yeah, today the, the result they just got is, is a big, massive winner, and they've they've got a good, a winnable game the next game, so they can easily go through, and they could possibly go through with just with that that, that win alone. So, but yeah, he's he's you know it's always you know when a big name coach takes a, a big player takes a, a coaching role you know can big players be, be good coach i'm pretty sure they can you know especially a, a, a player like shevchenko in ukraine you know when you think of ukraine you think of shevchenko and um, the other kid what's his name rebrov rebrov that's the he's at spurs yeah when they were dynamo kiev in ukraine they, they, were, they were brilliant so yeah, he's probably a massive hero to some of them players, and you know, if, if he obviously knows the game, so yeah, he's doing a, he's doing a sterling job, and you know, if he gets them through, it's, it's, a, it's a good result for him. Yeah, I think this is their well, I think this their first win in six uh, European Championship games, so that, there's that uh, you know jinx gone. But Steve, I don't know if you've seen uh, Yeremchuk, the striker. He scored two and two. He scored the header against the Dutch uh, the other day. He looks like the traditional, you know, British centre forward, doesn't he? Like a Duncan Ferguson kind of, you know, burly, loves to get stuck in kind of thing. Now, you're obviously going to see a lot of rumours him being linked with English clubs, but he does look like a player that can really cause trouble, doesn't doesn't he? Yeah, and I'm sorry, sorry in advance for going back to the commentators, but the one I heard was actually John Hartson who was very much that himself. And so he was very much, you know, championing um, the position of the the big burly centre forward. And if you can move a little bit as well, um, then you, you're a real asset to any football team. And I don't think they'll ever completely go out of fashion. Although Manchester City have tried this year, obviously, without playing with a centre forward. And then when Aguero comes in, playing him, you know, a little bit withdrawn. But there is always that, that um, you know, Lukaku op uh, opposite, polar opposite, of the, the, the big centre-forward who can gallop and score a goal will always exist. And the one you've just mentioned there, obviously, um, you pronounce it better than me, but he's, he's proven to be a mobile target man uh, on all our television screens. And like you say, yeah, I think he'll be a big attraction to anybody in the Premier League. I think any club would like them, if not only in the team, certainly in the squad. They've got Austria next. And obviously, with this defeat, you know, Austria needs to win this um, to have a chance of, of staying in the competition. Now, what kind of game do you expect between Austria and Ukraine? Because obviously Ukraine are very organised. Austria don't seem to be organised. And it also looks like Austria can't handle set pieces, for you know, corners, free kicks. Yeah, no physicality, Austria. Mm. Uh, and the fact that they've had to put their best player, David Alaba, in the middle of a back three. Uh, and that isn't through physicality. That's through knowledge, talent, experience calmness but it's not through through size so uh, they don't look like they've got the physicality to cope in this tournament and whilst they can pass the ball to each other as, as i'm seeing on, on another screen here now quite comfortably they're absolutely wide open and if you want to run through them or beat them or beat them aerially 
you can do, you know, almost every occasion. They look a really talented, like a boys team almost uh, against, you know, some, like a young men's team in Holland. Absolutely. All right, let's talk about, shall we talk about the, the group of death, as they call it? Um, blimey, Hungary, losing 3-0 at home to, to Portugal in a game where up until the last 15 minutes, it looked like Hungary were going to get something out of this, Rod. But, you know, cometh the hour, cometh the man, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I know, obviously, the, the opening goal wasn't by him. It was a big deflection from Guerrero, the left-back. Um but again, it's the European champions stepping up when they need to and Fernando Santos proving his worth as a head coach with his tactical changes. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good win. And, you know, it was a great goal by a great left-back. Anyone who'd have them in their fantasy football. Oh, look at this guy. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> so, but, um, no, yeah, it was, it was a massive win. You know, when Ronaldo's about, you know, you can never, you can never be, be still and never be asleep and they were and you know they've tied them out and eventually come away with a 3-0 win you know we've seen it before once one goes in you know the balloons bust and and and, and they score and, and have fallen which they did you know it's, it's unfortunate for Hungary they, they, they held out to like 84 85 minutes but yeah once the first goal went in it was all over for him well this is it Steve Rod mentioned fatigue there and Hungary mm -hmm. did look dead on their knees, basically. And you, you tend to see a lot of mistakes, especially defensively, be it due to concentration or just not, not having the legs to do it. And I think, you know, Ronaldo's second goal, where they just completely cut them apart, I think even a fully fit Hungary team would have struggled to uh, to cope with that movement. Yeah. Um, opposite of that, Stel, I was absolutely shocked at the performance of Jota. Uh, and I think it was his exit off the field which helped Portugal. Um, it's hard to criticise somebody for over-effort, trying too hard. Normally, you criticise somebody for not trying hard enough, but he looked like a trialist. He looked like someone had just given him a pair of boots for the first time. Everything was bouncing off him. I don't think he recovered from uh, the shot he took on in the first half where everybody thought he should have squared to Ronaldo. Uh, there's some footage I've seen on social media with Ronaldo uh, looking at him in the tunnel going out for the second half. You know, There was like, add your caption to it. Uh, you could only imagine the look on his face was still disgusted that he wasn't passed to early on. And then um, the, the game just changed, actually, as soon as he exited the field. So it was a brilliant substitution. And then Ronaldo clearly uh, underlined the fact that he's one of the best players that's ever played the game and still the best player in the world. And if he's not the best player in the world, he's the second. So uh, we saw it in the last five minutes, even if he's not doing as much running these days. So they yeah. say. Yeah. And Rod, he's the uh, European Championship's leading goal scorer ever. He's played in five tournaments. And, you know, I remember his debut at United when he came on um, against Bolton, skinned the fullback, left back, and he did the right back. And then Euro 2004, obviously, they got to the final and lost to Greece and then so on and so forth. But he's he's blossomed, hasn't he? And, and to think that this scrawny 17-year-old that made his debut for Man United... You know, they could only really do stepovers that being people were saying, you know, it's a one-trick pony to be one of the greatest ever. Unbelievable. Yeah, you know, he's totally changed. You know, his body's changed, you know. You, you won't even see him drinking Coke anymore like he did back then. So. <laughs> I was going to go to that one, but carry on. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's um, he's just mad. He's just unbelievable, you know, 36 years of age. If you look at, you know, the... the same career, the same age of, of Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney's retired, and, and Ronaldo's still going strong, and probably one of the best players in the world. So, if you right. not, 
kids can only look at it and say, you know, if you, you treat your body like a temple, you look after yourself, you do the right things, you eat the right things, you drink the right things, then you can play as long as you want, you know, and, and Ronaldo's showing that. And this whole Coca-Cola thing is brilliant because you have people saying, oh, because of what he did, it dropped the share price of Coca-Cola. Well, no, because the share price had already dropped prior to him doing that. That's the first thing. Then you saw, um, who was it? It was Pogba getting the Heineken bottle and putting it down, but that's for religious reasons. Then you had the Russian coach opening a Coke bottle with another Coke bottle, drinking that. You had the Scottish player saying, where's the Coke on the, on the table? And today, um, Yarmolenko got the Coke bottle in the Heineken bottle. He said, I need the sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be like a great theme. I think... Um, the Italian player as well did it as well, didn't he? You know, all these all these massive companies will be buzzing because it's publicity. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just a no brainer for him. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. At least they got a sense of humour. Do you know what I mean? That's a, yeah, I mean, it's all fun and jokes, isn't it? But it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it, when you you see him moving coke bottles and you see a picture of a bucket at KFC. So, <laughs> you know, turn it in, money. Yep. Um, speaking of funny, Germany, their defence for uh, the winning goal for France. I'm going to let Steve on this one, mate, because, um, you know, we, we won't talk about the French just yet because I think there's a lot of superlatives to use to describe the French display. But the winning goal, crikey. Um, where do you want to begin with this one? I'll, I'll let you take the floor with this one, mate. Um, I think it's uh, Rudiger's obsession with being a man-marker, being touch-tight and... You know, just thinks that if he's got his man, he's doing a job for the team. I don't think he's got any idea, really, Rudiger. Uh, even though he's even though he's a Champions League winner, I don't think he's got any idea about marking space, which sounds a little bit daft, really. When 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 if you're marking space, you'd think that's quite easy for most, but I don't think he's comfortable with it. I don't think he's comfortable covering his teammates. I think he's much happier mauling the opposition. I think he's much happier. Uh, grabbing, uh, and in Paul Pogba's case, uh, it was called nibbling at his back, but it certainly seemed a lot more to me. He's always looking for um, a niggly advantage in terms of a grab, a pull, a stretch of the shirt, and I think that's where he's comfortable, and I think he just thinks that that's his contribution, and I think Benzema, also being one of the world's best players, one of the world's best strikers, will have known this before the game, will have known it for years, even though he's not been playing internationally, and I think he decided to take Rudiger all around the pitch the other night like uh, like an owner takes a dog for a walk. I really believe this. And uh, Benzema came out of centre-four positions. Rudiger came with him. Benzema was going to collect all the throw-ins in the attacking half for France. And with Rudiger following him straight away, that's one less in the defensive line for Germany. And uh, he couldn't help himself getting overly involved. Once he'd got involved with Benzema from the throw, he then followed another ball to try and get involved, leaving his team fragmented and out of position. And then it was uh, two passes and a cross and an own goal, and it's in the back of the net. And as it turned out to be, game over. But I put all the start of it at Rudiger. You're on mute. Me? Ah! My my bad, sorry. I, I was about to say I felt more sorry for Kimmich than I did for Hummels, because Hummels, with his experience, you'd think he'd deal with that better. But Kimmich, it, it was kind of like he was in two minds. Was it, should he look at the ball because it was coming towards him, or should he look at Hernandez who was creeping up behind him as more like a, a left winger? So again, caught in two minds, just didn't know what to do, and and that's it. Fluffed his lines. 
Yeah, I think you put faith in the fact that how many balls you've cleared in your life that you're just going to get some boot through ball. But sometimes in the heat of the moment, you can take your eye off the ball and the speed of the ball that's coming in and you mistimed it. And as in that case, it's off his shin pad or his boot or whatever and fl flies into the top of the net. And that, that was actually the fine margin that, that won them the game. So it ended up being a poor clearance, really. Mm. And Rod, this Germany team reminds me of the Germany at USA 94. You know, they've got a couple of big names, but when you look at them as a unit, nothing nothing impresses me. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if they get knocked out of the group stage. No, you say that, but it wouldn't surprise you if, if, they, if they got through as well and won the next two games because, you know, it's a tough, tough ask to be your first game against France. You know, no mugs, France. They're very, very strong, and the favourites probably to win it. So, you know, it was a tough ask. So, but it's another tough ask to to play Portugal and the Hungary. Did you play Portugal next or Hungary next? Uh, pass, pass. Well, yeah, I hope it is Portugal because you know, then we'll know. Either one, they need to. You know, Portugal is a massive game for them. It's Portugal next. It's Portugal, yeah. Yeah, so that's it's a, you know, it's a tough it's game. But you, you could, you right, they could easily go out, but they could easily. You know, get a result against Portugal and then win against Hungary because you know Hungary, like I said before, we're going to be the whipping boys in in the, in, in this group. Interesting like on on Gundogan, the last two games he's played for club and country, two huge games. One a Champions League final, he was sat deep in midfield, and one for Germany against France, he was sat deep in midfield. Now, of course, he's played there. A lot of his career and he can do the job but he's actually coming off the back of the best season of his career as an advanced midfield player running into the box so I bet he feels a little bit frustrated that A, very, obviously very proud and delighted to play for his country but not on the back of the season he's had in the position he's been playing for City and now he's been playing in a withdrawn role and he's lost both games but The thing is when you look at how Germany have been set up defensively Steve you know it it isn't the same Germany as what I'm used to seeing, or what we're used to seeing. But I think that's because of the, the the personnel or the lack of quality there. You know, back in the day, you could say like Jerome Boateng was fantastic, Hummels at his peak was was phenomenal, Philip Lahm. They don't have that. They really don't have that. And I can honestly see Kimmich being moved into the middle of the park. I can yeah, see yeah. that happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're certainly not uh, they're not butterflies and they're not passengers, but. When you look at France and you look at Italy, uh, even England, let's say England as well, because of how they decided to play yeah, in that, in that first game, they are super, right. super fit, Premier League fit, international stage fit. And, you know, especially that pace from Mbappe where he, he gave 10 yards on Hummels. You know, whilst Germany aren't a sluggish team, definitely not. The, it looks like the other big nations have got fitter, younger players. That's how it looks to me, as well as obviously mega talented. Mm. So, Rod, how do you how do you think the um, the game against Portugal is going to go then? Because when you look at Portugal's second half, they they really stepped up. And the thing the thing is to to make it even more of a, a an open question, the introduction of Renato Sanchez, who really didn't have a good spell at Swansea City or Bayern Munich, but he's been fantastic in Ligue 1 this season. He changed the game with his engine. Now, can Germany cope with a player like that? Well, well, you know, Hungary did for 85 minutes, 84 minutes, and, and Germany, Germany are a better side. 
than Germany a much better side than Hungary. So you you'd think they'd give Portugal a better game than Hungary, and you know they've got better quality up front as well. They've got a Champions League winner, two Champions League winners. So they're, no, they're no scrubs either. So you know it's it's, it's a chance for Germany to stamp stamp their authority. You know, it, it, so it's win or bust. If if they get well, it's it's not. They could get sneaking in the back door if, if they beat Hungary, but you know they don't want to leave it to that. They want to take it in their own hands and. You know, by getting a, a positive result against Portugal, which they're more than capable of doing. You know, this is Germany. You know, historically they've been brilliant in tournaments. So, not of, of late, but um, you know, it's going to be a big game for them. Well, there's a there's a comment here saying it's not the lack of quality the problem for Germany. It's the lack of leadership. Now, when I look at that lineup. Hummels is a leader, I'd say. Neuer would be a leader. I'd say Cruz is. Gundogan, perhaps. Thomas Muller. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree with that. Do you think leadership is is the issue or just quality? No, it was a lack of dynamism for me, if that's the right right word. Um, just a lack of real explosive. Not, you know, England were explosive. Even if it was just like body contact, pressing, engaging winning 1v1 battles, they were quite explosive. A better word for England was front foot. France were definitely explosive uh, and Italy were really, really fluid. So I didn't see that with Germany. I saw calm, experience, talent, maturity, uh, but I didn't see explosiveness that, that really excited me or, or worried me as a future opponent. So, Rod, um, I look at that Germany lineup and I see Serge Nabry up front with Havertz and Müller in behind. And then I look at their bench. All right, okay, they brought on Timo Werner, who hasn't had a great season for Chelsea. They brought on Kevin Volland, who was doing absolutely nothing before he went to Monaco and he's had a decent season. You know, you look at Germany teams in the past, you know, your Jurgen Klinsmann, your, your Karl Hans Rummeniggers, your. Uh, Mario Gomez is Miroslav closer. They don't have that gunman up front anymore, do they? No, they don't. But you know, they're, in, they're still in a rebuild. They're in process really. All these players you name are, are young players, so they've got to really be established. And they're not really established yet. You talk about habits on a bad season. He was a Champions League winner and a goal scorer at that. So you know, you'd think he'd, he'd push on from that leading line for his country. You know, you still got to give him a chance. Like I say, they played France. They played one game. You know, it's a big, let's like say, it's a big game from this Portugal game. You know, they've, they've got to get a, a good result and, 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 have, and have a positive positive game, a, a play a good game and not, you know, be on the back foot and and, and, take, and actually take it to Portugal. Steve, what about France then, mate? Loved them. Um, they, Loved they, them. They, they were fantastic. And the thing is, what... I was most impressed by, and I'm sure the commentators mentioned it. I think they did actually. Griezmann, his work work rate. Haven't seen him do that ever, ever. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, defending back in his own box. Already discussed it with you, Estelle. Um, Benzema taking Rudiger for a walk all around the park. Literally like an owner taking his dog. Uh, and then Mbappe, you're just waiting for him to get 1v1. Um, even giving Hummels a 10-yard head start. Um, Rabiot, Pogba... Um, these are all mega talented. I'd rather always talk about the football first, but just legs all over, like serious legs all over the park. Legs. Uh, they want to defend. They've got a class goalkeeper. Uh, is he the fastest player in the world? Mbappe he certainly looked it. Um, 
and 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 just legs against old legs. Um, that that one-off race between Mbappe and Hummels, whilst he whilst he used his experience to get back into a position and defend his box well a few times, France have got some serious wheels. And it's scary because when you look at their bench, you know there's the whole heap of players that can bring on. If it isn't Giroud, it's Dembele. If it isn't Dembele, it's it, it, the list goes on and on and on. And it's it's no surprise that they're tournament favourites. But if there is one thing I will say about them. Well, there's two things, actually. I think they've got mistakes at the back defensively, especially with Kimpembe. And personally, I think they're full-backs. They're, they're too gung-ho. Granted, they do they are disciplined, yeah. but they love to bomb forward. And when you play against a team that can stretch the game, perhaps maybe even the Dutch might be able to uh, get a result of it against them. I don't know. Yeah, well, we'll look, look forward to that. But they will obviously bargain the fact that they've got more going forward than anybody else. They certainly... Of all the all, all the brilliant partnerships and front front threes, that that was unbelievable the other night. Griezmann, Benzema, and Mbappe, it was unbelievable. Yep. Speaking of unbelievable, I, I love these segues. Wales, Rod, unbelievable, they won. But so let's is, be honest. Why, why do you sound so surprised? I was, I was about to say. Let's be honest. It was only Turkey. Well, you know. You still got to beat what is in front of you. You know, it's a, you yeah. You still got to beat what's in front of you. It's a big game. You know, like I say, the big players have to turn up, and they did. You know, Aaron Ramsey could have got two or three, but you know, he, he put the one away that counted. Count, yeah, it was a good finish, a great ball. You know, the, the, the warning signs were there by Turkey. He made that run, you know, 10, 15 minutes before. So you know, it was poor, poor defending by Turkey, and. and and around you seen the get seen the gap, he went for it. Great ball, like I say, and, and a, a cool finish. And yeah, it was a, you know, even though Gareth Bale missed the penalty, it was still good good character by him and, and to you know not put his head down. He you know, he's closing the keeper down if he scored from that and then, you know, setting up the second goal, you know, some other player could he put his head down and, and actually lost it, but you know, he kept on going and and we got a good result in the end and, and with Italy you know, beating Switzerland convincingly, we're, we're probably almost certainly through now. And I think what impressed me most about Wales is how they basically dominated the middle of the park. You know, you mentioned Ramsey having those two chances, but almost every time he was making those those late runs in the box, and we're so used to seeing him do it, but it's almost as if the Turks had no the no answer to it. Really, it, it, you knew it was going to happen, but they just couldn't stop it. It's it's, it's just a, it's Desel Tay. It's just a quality quality of player. That split second, boom, he sees a gap, boom, and, you know it's it's too late. He's he's gone, and then they try their hands up, and then you know, they try to cheat, trying to get him offside, but no, he's, he's timed the run perfectly. You know, as, as explained to one of my pals who didn't see, it was like an old Brian Robson, you know, from like from deep. Into the box, you know, great ball, touch, goal. Yeah, it was a good, great finish. And you know, you can only have, you can't do that unless you've got the quality of ball and the quality of run. And, and both of them had that, and it was a good goal. Rodri, I think for me, from what I saw as well, credit to the two young lads who are just breaking into it now. Kiefer Moore looked like he was capable physically of, of occupying both centre halves on his own. So that was two of theirs for one of Wales. And Daniel James was holding the, the position wide available for a 1v1 at all time, which meant the fullback couldn't actually come in narrow and help his centre-halves out and, and make them nice and compact. And it just looked like he could have drove 10 buses through there um, with the gap that the Wales had created tactically. But, of course, Aaron Ramsey, 
he's better than any of us at knowing when to go, going at the right time. And then obviously the ball that comes in from Bale to get on the end of it. So there were so many things right. But for me, it was James creating the width wide and Kiefer Moore occupying the centre-backs, which was allowing those gaps for Ramsey to run into. But again, let me finish on Ramsey, though. It's all right having a big gap. We can all possibly see it. But to run into it and to go in and score as well in a European game like that, having just missed a similar one, he's, 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 he's an amazing player. Do you guys agree with this one then? Wales are very underrated. They're a better side now compared to the Wales team in 2016. Hmm. Well, I remember that 2016 tournament uh, very well. I think Rod and I were going back and forth with it, weren't we? Um, what do yeah, you think? That's, that... class, that's a difficult question. That probably we're probably better in depth uh, and better for for, uh, for future because there's a lot of young players in there. But um, yeah, it's a tough, difficult, difficult question. That you'd have to see, see how far this this team go. Can they go to the semi-finals? Because you know the 2016 team did. So you can only judge it on that, really. But you know, I'd say the squad's better. Better now than then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in depth, you've got people like you know Brooks is is, is a decent yeah. player to come on. You know Wilson can 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 cause problems as well. Yeah, they've got some some good players in depth now. Yeah, and we rock. Yeah, I remember they had, you know, they had Ashley Williams, James Chester. Those, those were defenders, weren't they at the time? Joe, Joe Medley was Joe there. Medley, you know, good solid players, but you know, they're not going to excite you or, or cause you any problems. You know, you, you've got you've got young, pacey people who can get about the pitch now and, and cause problems. Mm. Fair enough. Okay. Well, I don't really think we should say too much about Turkey. Really, um, they're done. So let's not talk about them. Um, Italy, gentlemen, big win against Switzerland. Uh, Locatelli gave them the lead, scored a second, and then Immobile made it three. Routine victory by uh, by Italy. But in all fairness, it looks like a completely different Italy side to what we're used to seeing. Now, I don't know whether it's because of the, um, the shackles are off, because there's less pressure, they don't have as many big names, or maybe, just maybe... This could be their year to, to win it, Steve. They're brilliant. I think they're brilliant. Yeah, I love them. Um, I'm really enjoying the tournament. Um, but yeah, they, 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 we mentioned it on the show last time. They play with depth because they've obviously got senior players at the back, so they can't really get up too high. I know Cellini got injured after 20 minutes. Him and Benucci hold probably a medium line at the back. They've got width. They've got inverted lads who come inside and shoot, but they can also go down the line. They've got Immobile, who's goal-hungry, and it's a great stadium for him um, to get his goals. Obviously, he's only got one more game, I think, there. I think the next time they'll play will be at, at Wembley. So, they're making use of home advantage. Um, and how do you pronounce the number 10 in senior? He's, he's just, mm. obviously, um, small in stature, but big in heart and, and stacked with talent. He's, he's incredible. So, Mancini clearly knows what he's doing. Um, they look like they've got a good spirit and organisation and a load of talent and flair as well. I'm really enjoying watching Italy. Rod, let's talk about uh, Locatelli because this player, he plays for Sassuolo, uh, a decent Italian team, don't get me wrong, a decent team. They're not a Milan, they're not a Juventus, but this is a guy who started at Atalanta. He went to AC Milan um, and he didn't really get many games there. They didn't give him as many opportunities that he'd have liked. Boom, he goes to Sassuolo, has a decent couple of seasons in the Italian national team, scoring goals for fun at the moment. But that switch pass that Steve mentioned uh, on the group chat, 
which in the build up to the goal, absolutely fantastic. Unbelievable. <laughs> he loves a left footer as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, this this seems to be a you know a, a well drilled, you know, well nice old machine at the minute, and you know they seem to be so full of energy and so what's the word disciplined and, and, and you know it might be a big miss from Killeen being out, but you know they didn't they didn't show it on that night, but. Um, just yeah, but the commentators say after you just feel against the stronger sides, you know, are they going to be? You just don't know because the you know two results and both three nil, you can't do much more than that. So, but you know, I think people are sleeping. And I think they're going to go pretty far because I, I like them as as a team and they all work for each other and they've got good quality and depth as well coming on. So it's just probably at the top end they probably haven't got that cutting edge, but you know. Like I say, three nil for two games. You know, it's, it's not bad, is it? Lads, how good is the right-footed left back? Here we go. See, look at this one. Spinazzola. <laughs> I, I I can't pronounce him as good as you, but what 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 a find for for us at home to you know again one one that we wouldn't necessarily say you know immediately. He, he's been unbelievably. He's already on the way to being player of the tournament. Certainly in the team of the tournament. He's been amazing. The, the thing is, though, it's, it goes back to what Rod asked earlier when it comes to the bigger games. You know Mancini in terms of his, his style or whatnot. Do you think he's got it in him to switch it up when he needs to? Because right now he's going 4-3-3. Okay? He's going 4-5-1 when they're defending, but 4-3-3 when they're going forward. Can you see him reverting to maybe a 3-5-2 a if, if need be? Uh, well, they've been straightforward, the games at the moment, haven't they? So they've been enjoying themselves. They've played with flair and they've protected their own goal. So they've not been under any real pressure yet. So that remains to be seen. But you do get the feeling as English supporters, Welsh supporters, let's say British supporters, that the idea of the Italian makeup is to defend you know, for your life and defend rigid, you know, rigidly and strong and with a load of work done on the training ground. And when called upon, I'm sure they'll be able to do that. Um, but for now, we're seeing a team full of flair. We, we've probably predicted that they would grind, possibly win games 1-0, but they look like you can win 3-4-5-0. So, uh, but they've not been tested yet. So that's that's probably for the next episode still. Fair enough. And what do you guys make of Switzerland? Because for me, it's almost as if they were just there to make up the numbers. Shocking. Absolutely shocking performance. Um, yes. Some some teams just seem to be there just to make up the numbers. You know, Turkey didn't really look at decent. Switzerland are the same. You know, we're just probably lucky enough for a Wales team that have them both in our group. So, yeah, it's, um, it's not been great. They didn't really... You know, pressure Italy. You know, it's it's even though Italy did well, you know, and, and got the ball back every time they lost it. You know, Switzerland did, got to keep the ball better and, and higher up in the pitch. They were so deep and just just inviting trouble, especially against a team like Italy, who are pressing pressing so high. So yeah, they're just inviting trouble and they got what they deserve there. So are we talking about Italy being? Second or third favourites now? Yeah, yeah, for me, yeah. 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 Okay, okay. But so right. when, when you've got Mancini, you know, you know 
he, he's he's got these drilled and he's done defensively. So when it comes to these tight games, you, you might need you know Italy a one nil sneak a goal and just shut up shop and, and you know Italy are more capable of doing that. So you, you could see him doing that in the latter stages. There you go. Right, Finland lost one nil to Russia today. Um, it was Russia, wasn't it? It was Russia. They lost to Russia, didn't they? I'm yeah. going mad. They lost yeah. one to Russia. Um, that was yesterday. What am I talking about? Fuck's sake, I'm losing my mind. So they lost one nil to, to Russia yesterday. Um, obviously, Russia needed to get a victory to, to stay in the competition after getting hiding against Belgium. And um, in all fairness, they really soaked up the pressure at the beginning of the game. Finland had a goal disallowed for offside. Um, but Russia switched to uh, like a 3-5-2 or 3-4-2-1 and uh, they got hold of the game. And once they did, it didn't look like Finland were going to get much out of it, in all fairness. Steve? I saw it, yeah. I'm with you, yeah. Uh, you, you don't expect much from them um, but by any means. And it's hard, it's hard to be impressed by them other than at least they showed that they weren't there to make the numbers up. They were, they're, they're trying to compete and... And do it with honour, um, but they're not. They've not. They've just not got enough good players, have they? What do you mean, Finland or Russia? <laughs> Finland haven't got enough good players. Well, I'll tell you what. Rod won't like me saying this, but Finland have a, an attacking midfielder that plays in Cyprus called Valakari, right? Yeah, and he hasn't played a game yet. And I was speaking to Jason Punching about it yesterday. He goes, "I'm not watching Finland because um, the lad hasn't played yet." So there you go. See, place in Cyprus. It's always, it's always tough for these sides, you know. We're we're probably on the on the the same quality of these sides, except we've got we've got two world class players. You know, all these all these teams, Russia, you know, Switzerland, Turkey, they're all probably the same quality. But we're just lucky enough to have a Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsby. Yeah, but you say that, but there's there's a lot more to it. Can't be just those two players that make a difference. It's about stretching the game. Dan James did a fantastic job yesterday. When you look at Finland, yeah. all right, they they worked hard and they got a good uh, result against Denmark. Still, it's it's what them to do on others though. You 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 see, I'm sure you're obviously going to come to it, but Belgium were very ordinary today, and then Kevin De Bruyne enters the field, and six or seven players automatically come to life. So I think what Roger's saying there about Bale and Ramsey—they're capable of doing stuff on their own, like yesterday. But equally, they bring the best out of the other six. Now the other teams that we're talking about—Finland, perhaps Turkey, perhaps—they've not got the world-class players A to do it for themselves individually, and B to drag five or six with them. And Wales have got that. Okay, fair enough. What about Russia then, gents? Do you think they're going to sneak? Through to the next round because obviously well, that's, you know, they've a, got... that's a massive game though because they play Denmark and, and Denmark need a win yeah. and Denmark you know if it weren't for a, a world class Kevin De Bruyne second half then they might have got the results so you know, it's a, it's a big game that it'd be a good game to watch because both teams need a win yeah and um, you know Kevin De Bruyne what can, what can we say about him man shall we talk about that game now talk about yeah. Denmark one Belgium two Denmark got off like a house on fire didn't they. You know, the way that they started the game, unbelievable. When two minutes in, Paulson gives them the lead, uh, defensive mistake, and they, they were on the front foot. Yeah. They were really on the front foot. They could have had two or three at the beginning of the game. But then again, 
you know, um, it's organized last second half. It's almost as if the, the game completely changed when De Bruyne came on, as, as Rod said. What, what did you make of uh, Denmark first half, Steve? I thought it was a carnival atmosphere on the back of the shock of what happened at weekend. Almost a tragedy. You know, let's call it right. Uh, the big, huge Ericsson shirt, everybody singing his name. Um, I don't believe anybody in the whole world wasn't thinking about him at the kickoff. I believe that. Um, and for those lads in the shirts of Denmark, you can only presume that they they found impetus on the back of it. I'm sure it was an amazing team talk, maybe led by the captain, certainly by the manager. Uh, the crowd were absolutely incredible. The commentators are talking about Ericsson's watching it in his bed in hospital with his shirt on. Um, the players will have known this. And it was just an unbelievable wave of energy and electricity. Any any positive word you want to use that Denmark had all on the back of the shocking events of weekend. Um, and I think it caught Belgium cold. The opposite, Bel um, Denmark were warm. The opposite of it, the crowd was just incredible. And they scored after a minute and 40 or something like that. So... Um, Belgium never showed up at all. They had no patterns of play. They had no idea. They had no penetration. And then all of a sudden, you're just waiting for De Bruyne to come on at half time. And as we've just discussed slightly there, not only was his own performance brilliant, you saw the raise in everybody else. I don't think anybody at home didn't believe that Belgium weren't going to win that second half once De Bruyne had got his first touch of the ball. Yeah, and it was um, the, the substitution taken off Dries Mertens. That effectively changed the game, and De Bruyne didn't look like he's been missing, did he? I mean, crying out the, the the finish for the winner. Ouch. <laughs> well, he's every he's every right there to for for Casper Schmeichel to think that you know I know Kevin De Bruyne is right footed, but we know that he's both footed. But naturally, you you are looking that you are taught to shoot across the goalkeeper. So you can imagine Casper Schmeichel positioning that the ball, you know, eight times out of ten goes across you, either into the net or you save it, or hopefully it goes wide if you're the goalie. But De Bruyne just strikes cleanly through the ball and scores at the near post, setting it out further than the near post, giving Schmeichel no chance. That's why he's, that's why he's the he's the world's best midfield player and one of the best outright players in the world. He loves scoring a, a worldie against Schmeichel, doesn't he? He's done it a couple of times now. Yeah. <laughs> Schmeichel must be sick to death of seeing him. But Rod, not bad, not bad player, you know. Some some people sign him for sixty three million pounds in their dream team. Yeah, I bitted you up. <laughs> hey, I'm happy. I'm happy. He came off no, the bench, no, scored. No, we've seen it. we've seen it over and over again in the Premier League. You know, he's a world class player. You know, just yeah, you just wish he was in my side, not. But well, this is the thing, right? When when you have a player like that on the bench, if you're the uh, opponents, you're a goal, goal up at half-time and then they bring on this player. Now you're thinking, do you change your game plan because this fella's come on? Because Denmark went three at the back, which is something they're not really used to. So, Well, that's another would... thing big players do. They make the opposition nervous uh, and change the game when they probably should have kept it as they were. But that's what big players do. They also do that as well as make better players around them. They make the opposition nervous and that's what Kevin Durant did. Roger, do you know what I've not seen anybody do yet unless it's not noticeable because he's that good? Because it used to go on in the old days. I've not seen an opposition team give something up and actually go and put someone on him and man-mark him. I've either never seen it 
or he embarrasses it by always making himself spare. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, you don't really see that the man marking. No, it's a bit no. Old school, isn't it? And still, I would also say this: the goal, because uh, we mentioned it on your last show, the pass that Kevin De Bruyne received was exactly the same pass that Andy Robertson received at Andon Park for Scotland, and you just saw the difference. Robertson, a mm. fullback, he took a touch and side footed it high around the goalkeeper's head, and I think he tipped it over. Didn't really know what he was doing, and De Bruyne just struck through the back of the ball at the front post, and that's that. That's the difference. And one with his prominent foot, and the yeah. other one who scored with his wrong foot. Yeah, that's right. There we go. Right before we wrap it up, shall we preview the game for tomorrow? There's some some game between England and Scotland. Um, so you go back to that Robertson. You'd expect that from the left back, though, wouldn't you, Des? <laughs> well. <laughs> Yeah, Look at this guy. Many, many, <laughs> many, many left backs, but you know, he used to be a left winger, I think, this guy, didn't he? So now I'm not letting him off. He's still playing international football, but I know what you're getting at. <laughs> Leave him alone. Crying <laughs> <laughs> it loud. Oh, blimey. All right, England, England, Scotland tomorrow. I don't want to waste too much time on it because most of the radio stations and TV channels have spent their time doing it, but. It's, it's a big one, obviously. means more to Scotland, I'd say, because of, you know, they need the win to get through. But that being said, you know, these kind of games we've seen in the past, there's always a shock. I remember Don Hutchinson. Was it Hutchinson scoring the winner at Skulls, Wembley? Skulls, Skulls won two. Scored Skulls, twice Skulls, at Hampton. And uh, Hutchinson scored at Wembley, yeah. That's right. So, in terms of the way that Scotland are going to set their stall out, do you think they're going to go three at the back like if you get this to the checks, or will they go more attack minded? Because that's a win. That's a win. No, they can't. They can't go. To, they can't go attack minded from minute one. I'd, I'd be more inclined to, to suggest that I think they might keep it tight for an hour and see where they are in the game, and then maybe uh, throw a bit at it for half an hour. But I don't believe they can really go for England from minute one. I can't have that. I don't believe that still. So we're talking what four two three one system or. Straight at the back, like last time? I'm not sure about formations and numbers, but I don't think they'll be cavalier for an hour. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be really, you know, Steve Clark, he, he's experienced. Yes. He can't be going gun hole, especially at Wembley, but quite possibly at Hamden, but for a full house. But at Wembley, no chance. They've got to, yeah. you know, put the tin hats on for the first 15, 20 minutes, ride it out, try and keep a clean sheet, try and make a goal if possible. But yeah, try and keep it, get the crowd quieting down and yeah. get into the game. I'm with that. I'm completely with that. Well, in that case, I think they're going to go with uh, McTominay and Armstrong in the middle of the park because Armstrong was hauled off and uh, he didn't have the best of the games. So how do you think they're going to approach this one into, from, from a midfield perspective? Because we saw England with Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice. I'd be surprised if Southgate changes that. So Scotland will need energy in the middle of the park. There's no two ways about you've, it. You've got you've got McTominay. He's, he's you know he's more capable of doing that. I'm sure with McGlynn. Is he, is he inside? Or is he on the outside? Well, he's, he does both, but he runs into the box. But I don't think you'll see much of that. But he's got Premier League experience. He plays against these boys every week all season. I think McGinn and McTominay will be in the middle of the park of Scotland with McGinn told you not to run forward as much as we'd like you to, or maybe we'll do last twenty. But um, he's got some bulk about him now. He's he's really grown into his in, into his body. But I just think they'll really stiffen up the middle of the pitch, McTominay and McGinn. I don't think they'll run too far forward. And does Shea Adams start? 
you might have to have him start to, to start because of his pace on the break. Because they'll need, they'll need to, they won't have much ball, and when they do go forward, they'll need to stretch. They'll need to chase after it, and they'll need to, you know, uh, get into the channels to get rests. So uh, he could possibly be ideal for a start, in my opinion. Still, yeah, it's important. It's important whoever plays for Scotland. You know, Stan's mentioned it before with Kiefer Moore. You know, you've got to be able to occupy two centre halves. So otherwise, you know, if one centre half's doing, you've got another one spare, and they're just going to have a field day. So whoever's playing has, has got to have quality, have a good game. You know, good quality into him, get older ball, and bring his teammates in. It's going to be a long afternoon for him, but yeah, he's got to try and. You know, occupy both centre halves, looking in space in behind, but good quality into him so he can get hold of it and bring his teammates on. It's going to be a definitely long afternoon, especially if it's hot. Lads, talking about centre halves on the other end for me, uh, Grant Hanley, um, who's been around for a long time, never seems to have full seasons. Blackburn and Norwich, I think he'd be made up if he's just marking Harry Kane. I think Harry Kane will probably, uh, hopefully, still play well. But I think he would be delighted with that. But if he's up against pace, this Grant Hanley, I think it would be kryptonite. Honestly, I, I really do. And if we you don't run into uh, Scotland's box often tomorrow, I think we'll miss a trick. And I actually think this might end up meaning that he changes the team or the formation. And I'm a little bit stuck, lads. Uh, so I'm interested to know what you think. Because I'm dead keen for him to keep it the same and get some rhythm, tournament momentum and uh, get some consistency. But I don't want to let this Grant Hanley off tomorrow by not running him into his own penalty area with pace of Sterling or Rashford. And it might mm. have to be at the expense of somebody else because I think we should play somebody alongside Kane and run Scotland's bat lads home. I can see uh, Rashford coming in for Mason Mount. Right. And Foden moving more central. OK. Well, Rashford played a number 10 before, and he? He's done well there. And Kane can do that as well. So, possibly... As them up, up, up top, two up top, one in ten, one in nine, can both do that. I, I'd be really disappointed if we leave Kane isolated because I do believe Grant Hanley physically could probably sort him out. But one thing he can't handle is pace, and I don't think Kane is going to run, you know, in behind too much. So it's dead important, um, Sterling or Rashford for me, and it might even involve going to a three-five-two, which messes your tournament. Patterns up from the last game, but just to get some pace on the front line to run him on. Mm. You could you could even put Grealish in there, number ten. He caused he caused damage there. It Rod, probably... I, I think the same as you, but I caught up with the, uh, the the training ground news here in that he's been training on his own with the conditioner rather with the group. So it kind of like oh. kind of like put me off the thought that he might not start. Yeah, yeah, he won't really. So what you think? He's got a bit of a niggle or? Um, he'll just be nursing these shins, uh, the problems that he's got, and I reckon he probably trained with the team today, just like a, 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 like at home. Sometimes you have to do a bit with the physio and the fitness guys uh, to make sure you get that training session with the lads on the Thursday and the Friday before the Saturday game. So I know he's not done, the, you know, reading the news, he's not done the full week with the group where everybody else has. He's been isolated, just ticking over. No, mm. it's probably, if it was probably for an Aston Villa game, he'd probably probably play. But you know, with England's quality, they don't really mm. need to push him. So they just need to get him right, and if they've got quality that they can they can put in in his place. So they don't really want to put him in if he's still got a niggling injury or he's just coming back from it. Just get him right, and they've got yeah. more than enough quality to put put him. And in. I'm op- I'm hoping Sterling, Rashford, or Foden can have a right go at this O'Donnell at right fullback as well, and or you know and. 
they can they can they can be got at, at full back and they can be got at a centre half for me, Scotland. So we mustn't we mustn't let them off with uh, not playing pace against them. Mm. It's okay. business again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, blimey. Right. Gents, before we um, wrap it up, I know this is not Euro 2020 plus one related, but have you heard the, the Spurs manager news today? He's pulled out now, and he over something. Fons yeah, Fonseca's not going to be the manager. So th this summer, they've been linked with Rogers, Potter, Ten Hag, Pochettino, Conte. It's been uh, uh, Nuno. Nuno, yeah. Um, Fonseca, Nagelsmann. And now it looks like good Eddie Howe, yes, yes, yes. And now looks like they're getting Gattuso. No way. Apparently. Apparently Gattuso. Tottenham and Gattuso don't fit. Tottenham are all nice and sometimes good, sometimes shit. Are they gonna bring Joe Jordan back to assist him? Oh mate. What what what's happening? What's happening with Spurs? Honestly, what is happening? Because I look at this club with, with history, with a wonderful stadium, with fantastic players. I mean, let's be honest, they've got a, a very good squad, man. They've got a squad that can challenge the top four 100%. No, they have had a good squad, but it's important when we've seen this over the years, when you have got, got a good squad and you're, you're kind of successful, you know, they didn't win anything, but they got to the Champions League final. But they, instead of, you know, adding to the, the, the squad, they didn't do anything. It just went stale and you know, Pochettino ended up leaving and they've just gone downhill from there. So it just proved to, you know, when you're on that, when you're at the top or, you know, the Champions League final, you just need that extra push and then they needed to bring that extra quality and they didn't. And they've just gone downhill from now on, you know, Pochettino's coming But why can't they get their manager? Can't, why can't they get a manager they want? <laughs> it doesn't make no, no sense. No, no, because, because no one probably wants it, you know. Conte's probably, was probably the biggest name and he's probably spoke to Daniel Levy and he's thought, there's no chance. There's no chance of, of even competing with what you're offering because he he what he wants to bring in certain players and, and you know what Conte's like and that's why he's probably left Inter Milan because they weren't spending and even though they've won the league he knows they need to they need to progress and bring people in and they've not done that and he's left so and Tottenham he's probably got the same conversation and the same story so that's why he's not done that. Mm. Well, apparently Nuno turned down the Crystal Palace job so. He could be getting a Spurs job. But then again, Rafa Benitez is linked with Everton. And if that doesn't happen, then maybe he'll go to Spurs. But it's, it's just baffling. It really is baffling how they just can't get a manager. It's, uh, surely, there's, surely there's more to it than, than just, you know, Fonseca couldn't get it for tax reasons. Well, or the managers want to come in and, uh, managers want to come in and compete still. And you know, Premier League is, is a is a difficult league to come in into, with Liverpool, United, City, Chelsea all spending big money. You know, if the manager comes in and doesn't think he can compete, they're not going to take the job. It's just pointless. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a difficult one. But a, a top team like Tottenham shouldn't be in this situation. Mm. Well, question is: Andy Red not be there soon? Andy Red not yeah. outside his Range Rover. Can I do wingy with him? I can't. Yeah. Um, do they still owe money to Mourinho? Well, I guess they do because I don't think they pay them lump sums. They pay them over a certain period of time, don't they? So it wouldn't be all at once. I think it's a United six it years to pay off. Now he's got a new job that that, that, that 
it depends on in the contract, doesn't it? But you know, Marino's no mug. I'm pretty sure he's getting paid. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh well, well, that's it for our Euro 2020 plus one review show, gents. Thank you very much. Thank you for everyone tuning in and watching live and contributing. We'll be back in a few days, I guess. Um, do you guys want to add anything? Just for everyone to enjoy the game tomorrow and uh, hope England win. But I uh, hope it's a great game that we'll be talking about forevermore. Rod, anything come else on, to add? Scott, come on, Scott. Come on. That's mean. I'm saying come on, Slovakia. Come on, the Brate boys. We need to win this one. Come on. <laughs>